I've always had uh, heroes in my life, people that I admire and want to be like and, and uh, copy my life after. Now I have a number of pastors and I want to be like them and so I listen to their sermons, read their books. And uh, when I was a kid, I, the first hero I remember having was Hank Woodruff. He was our neighbor and got my first salmon with Hank, got it with a pitchfork. That's kind of the way he fished and he knew every deer in the woods by name, had 12 hound dogs, went coon hunting. And uh, so it was Hannah, one of our daughters, had a baby and they named him Henry. And I said, can I call him Hank? And she said, well, Dad, we really kind of wanted to call him Henry. I said, all right. And she says, okay, you can call him Hank. So anyway, I have a grandson named Hank. Uh, and uh, that's cool because my first hero was Hank. We've made First Thessalonians sort of our model. We need models, those who we look at to see how we should live. And the Bible encourages us to have models. If you want to have a good marriage, find somebody that has one. Do what they do. If you want to raise good kids, find somebody who's done it. Do what they do. And so models uh, help us to live uh, successfully. And so 1 Thessalonians, the people in it, uh, Paul writes, uh, and they're, they're kind of pictured as a not a perfect church, but a really good one, his favorite. So we're looking at the church and what they did and the people in it, how they lived their life, especially looking at character traits and practices. So let me read to you again, First Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example. You became an example to all, all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you, how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. That is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. So I'd like to look at a particular uh, character trait of this people, this church this morning. If you have your notes, number one. A major characteristic of the church of Thessalonica that made them great was their diligence. And so there are a dozen other verses in First and Second Thessalonians where Paul mentions this character trait of this church, uh, their diligence. <clears throat> Let me give you the Duke definition of diligence. And I'll review it a few times so you get it into your head. It's cramming your life full of meaningful and significant activities and enjoying it and wanting more. Cramming your life full, not busy, not hectic, not confused, cramming your life full on purpose, thinking about what's important and what your priorities are uh, with self-control, cramming your life full of meaningful and significant activities, enjoying it and wanting more. 
If you have kids, that's obviously going to be one of the things that you cram into your life. When our kids were home, first thing I put on the calendar was their volleyball games, basketball games, got put on there first. Uh, and so I, uh, I want to keep my foot to the pedal to the metal my entire life, cram my life as full as I can get it, and then believe I can put more in there and enjoy it. Uh, that's diligence. They had it. First Thessalonians 1, 2. We give thanks to God always for you, all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, work of faith, and labor of love, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of God our Father. Number two, we all are born with character flaws, weaknesses inherited from our ancestors, clear back to Adam. A major one is laziness. And so <clears throat> my kids, eight of them, were all born lazy, every one of them. I mean, they were as lazy, as lazy as can be. I don't know if they inherited it from their mother's side of the family or where it came from, but uh, they were all born lazy. And so one of our goals as a parent as we raised our children was that they would, uh, they would be diligent. They would be hardworking. They would enjoy cramming their life full of significant, meaningful activities, uh, and they would always want more. Uh, Proverbs 6, 6, go to the ant, O sluggard. Sluggard, isn't that a cool word? You know what a sluggard is? That's somebody who acts like a slug. You ever look at a slug? They don't move very fast. They don't do very much. It looks like moving a foot a day is about it for them. Um, go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways. Be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer, gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come like a vagabond, your need like an armed man. Proverbs twenty-four thirty. I passed by the field of the sluggard, by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. Behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, just a little just a little, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come as a robber. Your want like an armed man. My favorite story about my dad, I've told it to you a dozen times at least, was when we were riding down the road in the 48 Ford pickup. He slammed on the brakes, screeched to a stop, and yelled, Eric, look at that! I thought, he sees a deer. And he pointed out in the field and he says, Look at that thistle. Thistle. There's only one out there. You mark my word, anybody who will let one thistle grow in the middle of his field for everybody to see, he's going to be broke because he'll let two thistles grow. And then he'll let three, and pretty soon it's over. I thought, oh, come on, Dad. Two years later, there was a for sale sign on his place, and he was broke. I never forgot that. One thistle is all it took. Then there were two. Then there were three. Then he was broke. Just a little at a time. Number uh, Three in your notes, the level of diligence in us as a character trait will be a major factor in how fast we grow spiritually. How fast we grow spiritually. So, my spiritual gift, we all have spiritual gifts. Uh, my spiritual gift is the gift of nagging. And that gift kind of works like I would say it and then say it again and say it again and say it again until the point that you're kind of irritated and frustrated by saying, I think you've said that 10,000 times. Well, I'll probably say it another 10,000 times. One of the ones I say repeatedly is read your Bible every day, every day, day and night, every day. Not 200 days a year. Aim for 365 days a year. Pray 15 minutes every day, every day. You can read your Bible 
15 minutes, pray 15 minutes, 30 minutes a day. So if I do a little survey in our church, ask people, how are you doing on that one? Reading your Bible every day, praying 15 minutes a day. I'll have a lot of people say, I'm working on it. You don't have it down yet. Not yet. Why? I'm busy. Yeah, right. The problem is, is you're lazy. Now, I don't know who you are, so don't take it personal. Uh, see, lazy people don't, can't, don't seem to be able to, eh, 15 minutes, how hard is that? Can't make it happen. 15 minutes of reading the Bible, this doesn't seem to happen. Those who are diligent have that character trait in their life. They know what's important and they make it happen. They read their Bibles every day. They pray every day. They do the things that keep them close to God and growing. And those who um, don't have the character trait of diligence, they, they, and so they don't grow. And it's no mystery. Uh, it's not magic. It's just doing what keeps us close to God and allows His grace and power to flow in and through us so we can grow spiritually. It's to do the basic disciplines of this Christian life on a daily basis. And diligent people make it happen. Second Peter 1.5, Now for this reason, applying all diligence, all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence in your moral excellence knowledge. And he goes on and, and lists some others that you will grow. You will grow and experience uh, the power of God in your life. Second Peter 3.14, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent. Be diligent to be found by Him, that is Jesus, when He comes in peace, spotless, without blame, blameless. Be diligent so that when He comes and you see Him and He sees you for the first time, you don't shrink back in shame because you're like Him in character, because you've been diligent and you've pursued him and you practice the basic disciplines of the Christian life. Number four, the level of diligence in us as a character trait will be a major factor in determining whether we ever backslide away from our faith in Christ. Now, that's a sad thing to see. Somebody grows and, and is doing well, getting close to Jesus and bearing fruit, and then summertime comes and they go on vacation, and then they mow their lawn, and then they paint their house, and then they, <clears throat> and then they buy a boat, and pretty soon they, they just don't seem to be able to fit in their life attending church, reading the Bible, praying, and, and you don't do those things. And you'll drift a little bit, and pretty soon you'll drift a little bit more, and pretty soon you won't be experiencing the power of God in your life, the grace of God in your life, and you'll just keep... And there comes a point where you don't even care that you've drifted away from Him, and, and you kind of stay there probably. Those who are diligent, they cram their life full of significant and meaningful activity. They enjoy it. And they want more. And one thing for sure is they make sure they read their Bible every day. They pray every day. Uh, they're involved in serving God. They make things happen. They do things that they know are important to Him. So they don't backslide. They don't drift away uh, because they're diligent. In Hebrews 6, 11, we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. Same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, until the end. And so you, you sprint across the finish line. Uh, you run the race with endurance and that you get to the end, you just pick it up and you, you sprint across the line. Number five, the level of diligence in us as a character trait will be a major factor in how much fruit we bear as a Christian for God. 
So they've been sort of pushing for people to help with vacation Bible school, making announcements, having video clips, having sign-up sheets. There's going to be a bazillion kids here for that. Need lots of helpers. And, and so when you hear that, oh, they need helpers for VBS. They need helpers for Royal Family Kids Camp. They need helpers in Sunday school. Need helpers to put the roof on the building. Uh, need helpers to work out at Father-Son Camp. You know, it's just a constant kind of thing. Need helpers for. And when those come into your ear, uh, one of the things that People who are not particularly digital, I'm too busy. I really can't do that. And so if you look at their life for the last year and say, what did they do for Jesus? What did they do for the church? How much fruit do they really bear that's going to last forever and ever? Not much. Why? Because they're busy. They really don't want to fill it up with any more stuff. Diligence, that's cramming your life full of significant meaningful activity, enjoying it, and wanting more. Uh, they bear much fruit for God. Romans twelve eleven. not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, serving the Lord, doing His work. John four thirty four. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. They said, John says about Jesus, if everything that He did was written in a book, the world couldn't contain them all. To accomplish his work. Don't you say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? That is, we got more time, no big deal. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, they're white for harvest now. There's lots of opportunities and things to do now. Number six, the level of diligence in us as a character trait will be a major factor in how successful we are in life in every area of our life. Our marriage, raising kids, our work, fishing, whatever you do, whatever you put your hand to. So the other day I was chatting with a guy, and <clears throat> he says, do you know it takes a lot of work to have a good marriage? I said, yes, it does. Uh, another person a couple of years ago, was his marriage was bad, and I said, you know, I'm pretty confident that I could just about save any marriage, make any marriage great if you would just do what I said what would you ask me to do? I said, I'd give you a book and say, read 50 pages a week on this book on how to have a good marriage. And I'd say, take your wife on a date once a week and I'd teach you how to have a conversation with her that's meaningful where you can really listen to what's being said. And then I'd suggest that you pray with her three times a week. Uh, and then I kept going. And he says, whoa, I don't have time for all that. Okay. Then just stay where you're at. Those who are diligent work hard. They have good marriages. They raise good kids. They do well at work. Uh, when they go fishing, they catch fish because they, they're diligent. They learn and they apply themselves. Proverbs 10.4, poor is he who works with a negligent hand. The hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 12.24, the hand of the diligent will rule. Slack hand will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 12, 27, a lazy man does not roast his prey. The precious possession of a man is diligence. Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of the sluggard craves gets nothing. The soul of the diligent is made fat. Proverbs 21, 5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. Everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. And then Jesus kind of gives us this picture in Matthew 7. Uh, Enter through the narrow gate. So is that easy or hard? Enter through the narrow gate. The gate is wide and the way is broad. That is easy, comfortable, 
that leads to destruction. Many enter through it because it's easy, it's comfortable, it's relaxing. The gate is small, the way is narrow, it leads to life. And there are few who enter through it because our flesh is inclined towards comfort, being relaxed. We don't particularly like it. In fact, when I said that statement, you might have just flinched a little bit. Those who are diligent cram their life full of significant, meaningful activity. They enjoy it and they want more. Uh, it's what it means to be diligent. Number seven, the level of diligence in us as a character trait will be a major factor in determining how well we do at the judgment seat of Christ. Judgment seat of Christ. We're going to stand before him at the end of our life and give an account. Now, I, I hear a lot of people say, I'm going to heaven, I'm a Christian, I'm just going to get into the door. I don't care about the judgment seat of Christ and what we get or don't get. That's kind of a foolish statement. You're going to, you're going to be there a long time. Long, like forever. And when we get there, there's going to be a significant difference top to bottom in the quality of life we have in eternity. We're not just floating around on a cloud playing a harp. We're going to have a relationship with Jesus and we're going to be given glory and we're going to be given jobs to do and assignments and we earn it and it's given to us at the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed, rewarded for his deeds, his deeds, his deeds. So if you don't have any, uh, diligence wasn't a character trait of yours. Cramming your life full of meaningful, significant activity wasn't one of the things that you did. He's going to be recompensed for his deeds, his work, service in the body according to what he's done. 1 Corinthians 3.13, each man's work will become evident the day, that's the day we stand before Jesus, will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. The fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, that means it's eh, insignificant. He will suffer loss. He himself will be saved because you're saved by faith, yet so is through fire. Number eight, a major requirement. You're going to train yourself to be diligent you're not stuck there. You can, uh, you can learn to be diligent just like you can learn to play the piano. So you're going to train. It's not an issue of trying harder. It's a matter of knowing how to practice and train yourself. Major requirement of training ourselves to be diligent is to regularly and honestly examine our life, our own life, and ask ourselves, how lazy am I really? And so if that's one that you're not sure on, I could spend half a day with you fishing and I could give you a pretty close grade just listening to you talk. Because lazy people say certain things regularly, all the time. And diligent people don't say them. They have other things they say pretty regularly. And it's not hard. You can pick up on that one quite quickly. Deuteronomy 4.9, give heed to yourself. Keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. Number nine, diligence and laziness are basically what and how we think. So, y'all come help with VBS. Thought pops into your head. Your wife says, would you do this? Thought pops into your head. All day long in response to life, thoughts pop into your head. Those thoughts basically dictate, determine, decide, are you diligent as a character trait or are you a sluggard? Uh, what goes on in your thinking pattern? And if you want to become diligent, you change those. 
You change what you think repeatedly in response to life. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. Change the way you think and you'll become a different person. A good, uh, number 10, a good way to do this, begin to do this, is memorize Bible verses. So the Bible is full. There's hundreds of verses, as I read some of them to you, a dozen, on the value of diligence. That was a favorite topic of God, and so it's in the Bible from beginning to end. You could memorize some of those verses. <clears throat> Here's interesting bit of information for you. Less than 1% of those who are believers say they have faith in Jesus Christ memorize with any level of regularity Scripture. Uh, I have a goal to memorize, spend 15 minutes a day memorizing and to have 500 verses mastered by the end of this year, a written goal that I've done. You know, and I don't memorize very well, but I work on it every day. Why don't most? I'm too busy. They take the big door, not the little door. The big door is, I can't memorize. Let's just skip that one so they don't memorize the Bible. Psalms 119, verse 11, Your word I have treasured in my heart. Treasured, I've memorized it so that I may not sin against you. It's like the most powerful way to change anything in your life. Pick Bible verses that have to do with where you're weak, where you want to grow, memorize them, meditate on them, and you will change on the power of the word of God. Number 11, as we work at controlling our thinking habits, memorize, repeat over and over certain slogans, statements that are contrary to what the world says, what your mind naturally thinks because of your flesh. Just make those the things that you think. Uh, you can choose what they are. I'll just give you a suggestion uh, of a couple that are pretty easy to remember and to do. The first is, hard is good, easy is bad. Hard. You ever hear anybody say, it's so hard. Are they suggesting that they're having a good time by the tone that they say it with? It's so hard. Now they're kind of eliciting sympathy and compassion and life is bad. It's so hard. Life is good when it's hard. That's the way it's supposed to be. Hard is good, easy is bad. Busy is good. Now not hectic, not confused, not doing a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. But having your life crammed full of significant, meaningful activity that changes people and changes you and changes the world and enjoying it and wanting more, busy is good. Getting to the end of the day and whew, being wore out and tired with a busy day, that's a blessing from God. Uh, here's a good one. Lord, give me more. Just a little. More tomorrow. Ask and pray that God would give you more to do because he will never give you more to do without giving you the strength and the resources to do it. Heaven will be comfortable. Life is hard. It's supposed to be. The way my wife used to put it when all the kids were home and little and people would comment about how hard she worked and she needed to rest, she'd say, I'll rest when I get to heaven. It's not that far away, really. And when we get there, we get a new body and this whole issue of energy and tiredness and weariness is no longer an issue. I mean, we're like superhuman when we get there, and life is going to be cool and unbelievable, and now we're, we live here, and it's supposed to be hard. And so we rejoice over our gift of eternal life in heaven, and we don't fuss about life being hard because that's the way it's supposed to be. Number 12, as we work at controlling our thinking, we need to make a commitment to not ever, 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 
ever allow our brains to think thoughts. Uh, it's a matter of taking thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, there's seven kinds of thinking that are bad, you don't want to do, and you just simply replace that. I replace wrong thinking with Scripture verses I've memorized. And so here's the, here's the worst one. I'm so busy. Don't think that. It controls your life. It controls your behavior. It controls your choices. It controls your attitude. And so that's what the world does. Be transformed. Don't be conformed to the world. Transformed by the renewing of your thinking. So don't think that one ever. I mean, it kills you from the inside out. It, it just hardwires you to be lazy and a sluggard and a non-producer. And this one, I'm so tired. Um, don't say that. It just makes it worse. It doesn't help. It doesn't give you any energy. It doesn't motivate. It doesn't stir you up. It doesn't make you excited. Uh, it just makes you depressed and, and more tired. And this one, I have too much to do. Don't ever say that. Don't ever think it. Control those thoughts. Say, busy's good. Busy's good. I love busy. 13, and we certainly don't ever want to speak those statements out of our mouth. So I said, give yourself a grade. Ask yourself the question, how lazy am I? How strong is diligence in me as a character trait? And if you can't figure it out, go fishing with me. I can tell you the answer in half a day just by what you say. And uh, how's work? Oh, I'm so busy. How's life? Oh, it's so hard. So at the end of the day, I said, you want a grade? I got a grade. So if you say those things, then you think them beyond that. And if you think, I'm too busy, I'm so tired, life is hard, you're not going to fill your life full of meaningful, significant activity. You're going to constantly turn down things, uh, and you're not going to get anything done. You're going to get to the end of your life, and you've mowed your lawn and painted your house and fed your dog, paid your bills, but that's about it. And uh, you don't have to be there. You don't have to live like that. Uh, if you have diligence. 14, one of the best ways to train ourselves in diligence is to set goals for our life and gradually increase the difficulty of them. So the question, you know, we've got to ask, I don't know how many times, why in the world are you pedaling your bicycle from the west coast to the east coast? That seems like crazy. Well, I just want to train myself. Because um, it's not easy and every day you think, 70 miles we've got to do today, 89 miles we've got to do, 85, oh man, there's a whole bunch of 7%, 8% grades, and you think, wow, this is fun. I am having the time of my life. I think I'll do this again. And so you choose hard so that you can learn to think right, so that you can become diligent and become somebody that accomplishes something significant with your life. So you write some goals for your life in the area of your Bible reading, your prayer life, uh, being a good husband, being a good father, your job, your, uh, every area of your life. You write some specific, meaningful goals that move you a bit beyond where you are now, and then you read them every day. Now, very few people do that. It doesn't take very long to write them and read them every day. Temporary takes less than two minutes. So why don't most do it? Oh, that's so hard. I'm so busy. I don't have time for that. So just stay where you are. Um, if you want to grow, that's a great tool. Uh, your goals, they're powerful to move you beyond where you are. 
and to, and to give you a character that you don't presently have. Fifteen, we need to read our goals at least weekly. Daily is best. I say weekly because I know how people are. I, every day, you've got to be kidding me. Fifteen seconds, twenty seconds, thirty seconds to read my goals? I can't do that. That's way too much. <clears throat> so write some goals specific to you and add some BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goal. You know, pedal your bike to the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, climb Mount Adams. Do something that's hard. Uh, you know, you don't have to do a bunch, just a little bit, just to train yourself to like hard. Sixteen, the fastest growing, best uh, self-trainers are always in an accountability group. Accountability group. I'm in a whole bunch of groups. Uh, so if I walk up to you and say, hey, I got an accountability group on Tuesday morning, 5.30, you want to come? Uh, eh. What do you do? Well, we all just share our goals and we encourage each other, harass each other, hold each other accountable for what we made goals to do, read our Bible, pray with our wives, that kind of stuff. Uh, 5.30 in the morning. Well, we have one at 6.30 if that fits you better. How about 7.30? Eh, I don't know as I can fit that in my life. That's too hard. Uncomfortable, my ego can't handle that kind of thing. Hebrews 3.12, take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, encouraging one another all the more, more and more as you see the day drawing near. Seventeen diligent people have learned the skill of resting systematically, renewing themselves physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Cram your life full of significant, meaningful activity doesn't mean that you don't uh, go to bed at night. It doesn't mean that you don't know how to rest, uh, systematically renew and revive yourself so that you're full of energy. Um, I'm going fishing Wednesday, and I go fishing pretty systematically, regularly, because it's in Incredibly renewing, reviving, refreshing for me as an activity. I don't think about preaching. I don't think about much of anything that I do as a pastor. I just think about fish just for a day on Wednesday. Going to go with some people that like to fish, whether they catch them or not. But we'll catch a bazillion of them for sure. And so I, I just plug in stuff periodically in my life. I take naps during the day, five-hour power naps. I'm the artist at it. I can just go dead asleep in five minutes and wake up refreshed periodically through the day. So I know how to revive and fill up my gas tank. Uh, Isaiah 40, do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? Does not become weary or tired? Wouldn't that be cool? That's God. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength. He gives strength. He gives strength to the weary. To him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, his, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord. That sort of means just kind of get renewed, get revived by your time with Him, uh, will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. 18, every day, every day, every day, every day, without fail, ask God for His strength. God, God loves to give His strength to those who need it. They're doing something with their life that matters and they're cramming their life full of significant, meaningful activities. They enjoy it and they want more. And they say, God, give me some strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You get it when you ask for it. You get it when you need it. 
And so I ask every morning without fail and all through the course of the day when I go, "Ah." I say, Lord, would you grant me some of your strength? I can't do this without you. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Number 19, people who are growing strong in the character trait of diligence also become greedy people. They're tough. They don't grumble. They handle life's difficulties well. They don't whine and complain. Uh, They're just strong, strong people. Diligent people are strong. Diligent people are self-controlled. Diligent people who really have the character trait of diligence are full of joy. They feel good because they're doing something that matters, that makes a difference, and they know it. Um, They're just doers. I have shared this with you before, but I have this 1040 thing going in my prayer life now. This October is the 40th year of pastoring here at the church. And so, okay, what have I done in 40 years? I'd like to do more in the next 10. And so I pray, Lord, if you'd give me the health, let me stick around 10 more years. I'd like to do more in the next 10 than I did in the previous 40. Uh, I I know more. I just, that's what I want. That's the desire of my heart. And so I need to cram my life full of significant, meaningful activities uh, and ask him for the strength to do it every single day. Um, Number 20, growing and healthy churches are full of diligent, hardworking people. I brag about our church a lot as I go and, you know, as I was up in Alaska and they, Jefferson Baptist Church, yeah, what's, you know, our church is full of people who work hard. Uh, They sing on the worship team, they run the sound system, they do VBS, they do uh, children's ministry, they help put the roof on the building, they just plug in wherever and whenever they can uh, and they're looking for opportunities to serve. We've got a ton of people like that, just hard-working people that have the character trait of diligence and they're growing in that. Uh, great churches are always full of those kinds of people and people who someday are going to stand before Jesus and he- hear him say, well done. You did great for me. You, bore, you, you accomplished a lot. You bore much fruit. They're diligent. And so uh, it's, you train yourself. Control your thinking. Life is hard as it's supposed to be. Busy's good. Tired at the end of the day is a great blessing from God. And so, don't do things that are meaningless, uh, frivolous, hectic, busy kind of stuff. Choose what you do, uh, but fill your life full and enjoy it and ask for more and ask for the power and the strength from God to do it, to accomplish it. And someday we'll stand before him at the end. It's not that far away. And he'll say, you're awesome. You did great. Thank you for serving me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the power we have as believers, the strength through your spirit. We talk a lot about the Holy Spirit and the power and strength, but very few live in a way that uh, the power of God is obvious. I pray that we would think and choose and act like people who are children of God, the Most High, who have the Holy Spirit living in us. And we can say more than just a good-sounding statement, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We would be diligent people, not sluggards. We would be people who are strong, who are gritty, who are tough, who are bearing much fruit for you because of the choices we make and the way we think. 